Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. Yeah, it's called conversations with Jeff, not screaming matches. Yeah, I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues that are vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, everybody, welcome to Conversations with Jeff. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, tuning in. Uh, before we get started, just wanted to uh, remind you guys about a book that we actually recently published called Social Injustice. Uh, if you guys go to gatekeepersonline.com slash store, you can actually check that out. Um, that is a book that's that's really been focused on the theological attacks uh, happening within the church, specifically around the idea of social justice and actually how it's compromising the gospel. So we had a bunch of uh, contributing authors to that, including uh, Dr. Andy Woods, uh, Dr. Mike Spaulding, Pastor Ken Peters, Tom Littleton, as well as our guests that we're going to have on today. Uh, so definitely check that out, gatekeepersonline.com slash store, and uh, that'll be a great resource for you. Uh, really excited to be bringing back uh, Patrick No Compromise with Evil Wyatt. Um, I mean, you can't you can't really introduce you without going with a nickname as well, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's kind of got to be um, everybody kind of gets used to it and expects it. So, and anyways, it brings a smile to my face. So yeah. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. So, okay, so we, we were talking a little bit a little bit before, but before we came on, but like, how are you doing with COVID and all of that kind of stuff? I'm assuming it's not as crazy as it is out here in California. Yeah, just listening to what you were saying is going on out there is kind of, uh, we, we were in that craziness for just a little bit, but uh, that passed. We've been pretty much open, although the uh, local mayor uh, decided in Waterloo, Iowa, decided that he and the council were going to take action and force everybody to wear a mask. And, of course, the governor of the state of Iowa has already said, uh, that's a no-go, you can't uh, you can't do that. So um, I think they got their little ordinance up, but it's unenforceable. So, you know, it really amounts to nothing, but with liberal symbolism is symbolism so yeah makes them feel better about themselves yeah makes them feel powerful even though they're not but 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, and that seems to be the crazy thing with all of this is we're seeing so much like abuse of power. And, and I think that like, obviously we're seeing like out here in California, there's the big battle between, uh, John MacArthur's church and, and the government. Uh, and it seems like it's both city, state and county. It's, it's, it's a crazy combination of fights going on all at once. But literally we're seeing like our constitutional rights being stripped away. I mean, at a certain point, I feel like some Christians are saying, okay, we shouldn't, we should just submit to government no matter what, still that Romans 13 crowd. But then again, at the same time, then there's obviously the majority of Christians that, and even MacArthur himself's coming around and like, yeah, you know what? We need to actually push back, which is great. But at, at what point are we going too, too much fighting in the political battle? Or can we ever get too much for fighting for our constitutional rights? Stop the hacks. Stop the attacks. Stop the attacks and start taking your IT career to the next level. The Masters in Cybersecurity from Stevenson University Online can keep you one step ahead of the criminals and one step ahead of career advancement. Complete your online degree in as little as 18 months with convenient and affordable classes. Stevenson University Online, your partner for professional success. Visit stevenson.edu slash cyberwar. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Well, I think we have to keep a perspective here, and Satan's the master of deception and division. And I think what we need to not get too overly worked up about is going all in on the physical side of things and forget such things as asking God's counsel in prayer, reading his word, and realizing that this is all coming from a spiritual battle that's been raging since the Garden of Eden. And we don't want to get too wrapped up without realizing that we need to make sure that that stays addressed and we need to be doing things in a godly way. That doesn't mean we're a pacifist, certainly, but it does mean to keep the bigger picture or the perspective in focus that we're not battling against flesh and blood, though we certainly aren't you know, physically, but against spiritual powers and wickedness in high places against principalities. So as long as we can keep that in focus and act in a Christian manner, we can act um, in defense of our rights, certainly, and we should. We live in a nation that is expected of us to be both a good citizen and a good Christian, a good patriot. All these things were wrapped into the idea that we are Christians. George Washington said something to that effect. Let's add not just a patriot, but the higher calling of Christian. So our first president said that. So, yeah, um, we're definitely under attack right now. And the reason that we're having to fight these sorts of battles is because the spiritual battle was never really fully engaged by a lot of people for many decades now. We are now getting the end results of that, the fruits of those, um, what shall we say, distractions or self-centeredness or enjoying life when we should have been fighting and contending for souls because ultimately that's where we fail. We have a, a nation now predominantly not Christian, uh, whereas we once used to be. And, I mean, you can't expect an unsaved person to have the same moral code as you and I would, biblically speaking. Yeah, and, and that's a, that's an interesting point, too. And, and you know, and I, I made this point, it was probably a couple of months ago now, and I, I got a lot of flack from it from other Christians, but it's, it's still kind of my perspective. But I feel like a lot of what we're seeing in society today 
to me, falls it, the blame to a certain degree falls on the shoulders of the church because the church has failed in its mission here in America for I don't know how long, like decades. Like there's no preaching, no preaching of the gospel. Everything's about uh, just building a big mega church. Everything's about you know attracting people into the churches and keeping them happy and all that kind of stuff. And I think that we've we've failed overall in the in the grand scheme of things in our mission. And this is the result when we have an anti a completely anti God platform for the for the Democrat Party. We have rioting and looting in the streets. We have violence. We have no uh, no sanctity of life at all. And to me, it's easy for Christians now to point at them and say, "You guys are bad. Look how evil they are." But maybe the maybe the problem is we weren't actually out preaching the gospel like we should have been. We were the ones that were supposed to be shepherding society. And when I say we, I'm talking about Christians over the last couple of centuries. Yeah, and, and gradually we fell away from that. Nobody wants to talk about, as you said, nobody wants to talk about sin anymore. And sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what people choose over the salvation offered through Jesus Christ. And ultimately, then it is sin that, that sends people to hell because they don't choose to believe in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe you're sinning, you don't need a Savior, right? If there's no such thing as sin, if there's no moral absolutes, what's all the big fuss about? Just live life the way you want to, and we'll we'll see what happens at the end. Unfortunately, at the end, it's too late to do anything about it. Now's the time. And it's funny, we were talking a little bit earlier, like you said, and you just mentioned John MacArthur's church. They would shut down John MacArthur's church. And, and call that a criminal act and try to fine him. And, and, you know, they're trying to put fines against individuals going to that church, even taking away the man's parking lot, which he had a lease on for the last 45 years. That's bad, going to church. But it's okay to burn, to loot, to assault, to block freeways, to threaten people, to beat them up, to put them in hospitals, even in some instances murder. This is what they're allowing to foment in the streets simply by doing nothing. By doing nothing, they're saying it's okay. You're encouraging these people to continue to do it. We're seeing it in Portland. Um, I guess you had another flare-up in L.A. here with somebody else getting shot. So if a criminal gets shot by a police officer while they're resisting arrest, um, suddenly that's a bad thing, that certain segments of the population should be allowed to commit any crime they want to. And, you know, that's okay. I mean, it's insanity is what it is. But the, what does the Ecclesiastes tell us? You know, um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Yeah, and, and we look foolish right now as a nation. Yeah, well, and I and I think and I think as well, like what we're seeing is we're seeing the result of a godless society in in all reality, because because there has been I th- I feel like for the longest time, even though obviously there were millions and millions of non Christians in America, it seemed like Christianity was a huge influence over the morality and the behavior of people. And we saw the results of that, I feel like, for the longest time. And now we're seeing us essentially being outnumbered. We don't have the same influence that we used to have and all of that. And then now we're seeing the result of sin happening out in the streets. And and what's been shocking to me is how many of my friends don't see the correlation. They don't They don't see even that a lot of this is bad. Like, they're like, well, they're justified. They're angry. They're upset because they have a justified, you know, claim against – you know, a different race or a different gender or a different, you know, the government or the man or whatever it is. But it's like, it, it, it is, is this just this spiritual blindness of being lost? It is, and it's been programmed in through the education system, through the media, through the entertainment, through all these different sources. People don't know any better anymore. And, you know, they're saying, well, you know, they've got to justify, they're justified in what they're doing. 
There's no justification for breaking laws that are well established in good laws. So lawlessness is what's the rule of the day now out in the street. We are a nation of laws. That's what holds a society together is its laws. And the laws of a nation define their morality. You know, people, well, we can't legislate morality. Well, we certainly do. Uh, Laws are typically put in place because something's right or wrong. So the question is, whose morality are we legislating? Right now we're seeing the mob rule in the street, and the mob has no morals. The mob, in a moment, in an emotional moment, can do what the mob wants to do. And there again is a danger of thinking of ourselves as democracy. We're not a democracy. Democracy is mob rule. We're a constitutional republic, which means a limited government. That is, government has limited authority in what it can do. The rest of that is given to us as liberty and freedom. Now, the reason it worked originally in our nation is because we were Christians. We exercised that self-discipline. Our common morality was the glue that held society together. When we lose that, and we have lost it in large part, in some areas it looks like near complete. When we lose that, we lose that societal bond, we lose the rule of law and that self-discipline because people don't have that, and you have lawlessness. Now, the the scary thing when you think about this is that when you look at the Hegelian dialectic, because right now there's a lot of people going, boy, the government needs to step in and really hammer these people and put them down. And that is a logical thing to do. The Insurrection Act allows for that with the president. But... If you look a little deeper, these people behind the scenes, not the poor fools that are being manipulated out in the streets, the people behind the scenes that actually push the levers, fund these things, and give direction, they know about the Hegelian dialectic, which is you create a problem. You let that problem fester and grow unattended till the people cry out for a solution to that problem. And that would be us now. Normally, it wouldn't be people on the right saying, hey, we need martial law or we need you know, something like that. But now we are, we see this over and over, and we're going, something has to be done about it. Well, you let people cry out for that solution, and then the predetermined solution that they had in mind in the first place, whereas we wouldn't have agreed to say martial law five, ten years ago. Now we're demanding martial law. The problem with giving government that sort of power, even well-intentioned government, which I believe and I hope the president is, is that he's not always going to be the president But that sort of a power grab is not easily given up. A state of emergency is not easily given back and those those rights given back to people. Now, I don't believe in martial law because I don't believe it's a constitutional concept. In certain areas where there's insurrection, there can be troops sent in to quell that insurrection. But we're looking at different things on the table. But a lot of people right now would say, especially if you're in an area that's being terrorized by these thugs and the law enforcement's not allowed to step in because the Democrats won't let them, there'd be a lot of people say, Hey, do whatever you got to do. Just stop the pain. Yeah, I mean, do, do you do you feel like I, I I just I feel like I I have this feeling that this is all a big setup. You know, you know, there, there's a lot of people that are out there and they're just saying, oh, you know, they're talking about the money that's funding it and that's fine. They're talking about you know the people aren't necessarily like local. They're trying to shift blame between Black Lives Matter and Antifa and like all this kind of stuff. But when I saw the, I think I believe it was the mayor, was it the mayor of Portland? I think it was who sent the letter to uh, to President Trump. Who's either the mayor of Portland or the governor of, of Oregon? And it was basically just like a bash President Trump session, and like we don't want your help and and all that kind of stuff. I started mayor just, Wheeler. yeah, I started having this feeling that I'm like, I feel like this is all just like a big setup. They're either trying to get Trump to override them, come in, and then they'll try to get him on like a constitutional ground, or. He'll he'll show restraint, not do anything, and then they'll and then they'll blast him on that. Like he doesn't care about the everyday people. I feel like they're trying to pin him into a corner. Is all? Do you feel like this is all strategic, or is this just plain stupidity going on? 
it is all political right now. This is an election year. They never did accept the fact that Trump won in 2016. You've had Congress under Pelosi the last two years do nothing but baseless attacks and just endless attacks on the president, on what his administration is doing, trying to get his people, trying to make him out to be a crook. They know how handily he defeated Hillary Clinton, and they're afraid of the same thing happening with dementia Joe Biden and communist Kamala Harris. And you know, and the thing about it is, people see this stuff going on in Portland and Minneapolis, and they're going, "Wait a minute, these are democratic strongholds. If this is what the Democrat Party intends for America, I don't think I want to be a Democrat anymore. I'm not going to vote Democrat." Now, your hardcore liberals—they're going to do what they're going to do. Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online. Approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. Stop the hacks. Stop the attacks. Stop the attacks and start taking your IT career to the next level. The Masters in Cybersecurity from Stevenson University Online can keep you one step ahead of the criminals and one step ahead of career advancement. Complete your online degree in as little as 18 months with convenient and affordable classes. Stevenson University Online, your partner for professional success. Visit stevenson.edu slash cyberwar. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. But the people in between, the people in the middle, I hope are starting to see that this is the end result of what their party's pushing toward, which is revolution. It's always been the goal of the communists, the Marxists, to destroy this country, to take us down, to replace our form of government with a government more like what they want. The globalists want it, the communists want it, the, the Muslims want it. Everybody wants the United States out of the way. That's what it's all about. It, it is not just a political movement, though... That's what it's geared towards. Any way they can affect this election for them positively, they will do. If they could cancel the election, if it was to their advantage, they would. If they could get rid of the president by means of a coup or anything else, they will. These people are desperate. They are so close in 2016 to realizing their multi-generational goal to have Donald Trump come in, the American people stand up and say, enough of this nonsense, that they're not going to leave anything to chance right now. They're not even trying to cover it up anymore. It is just open, in-your-face, nonstop attacks trying to change people's minds, trying to somehow get rid of this president and get these last people in. And I believe if they can somehow get Biden, Harris, and Biden won't be there very long, communist Kamala will be the one, um, this would probably be our last presidential election. And I'm not saying that for hyperbole. I'm not saying that for dramatics. I'm just telling you, we are at the stage of active revolution right now. And just because nobody's shooting in your yard right now, doesn't mean that's not coming. They all grow from there. And this is the same stuff they did in Russia with Lenin. They had these little paramilitary groups out in the street rioting and causing problems for people. They did the same thing in Germany, though the Nazis fought the communists in those battles, and Nazis won. The fascists did the same thing, fought the communists. The fascists won in Italy. 
We're having the same thing. It's the same type of progression of a communist revolution. Yeah, I mean, so so are 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 we heading into the point of no return? You, you know, because like you're talking about the progression, and we're seeing like history and history's like repeating itself. And again, I'm like, how is nobody seeing any of this kind of stuff? But history is repeating itself. Like, is this something where we could turn things around, or is this just the natural progression? And there's not a whole lot that we can do about it. Well, there's there's the idea of a nation that's now aborted 60 million of its children, over 60 million. And the perversion that it teaches to children in school, those that survive the abortion process, what we do to those young minds in school, well, we see the end result. This is what's out in the streets. I mean, you turn them into just enraged um, Marxist revolutionaries of all sorts of perversions, all sorts of anti-God stuff. You know, is it too late? The only thing that can change this nation, you say, well, you know, there's a bunch of veterans and, and conservatives, you know, they got guns and all that sort of thing. Remember, though, that that's looking at things from a physical or a human perspective, there is still God in all of this. And the only thing that's going to save this nation or could save this nation, I believe, would be a massive sackcloth and ashes repentance and revival in this nation to restore our heritage, our Christian heritage. Anything less than that is just a free-for-all. And I believe that God's not going to be like he was with the Revolutionary War, our first one. He's not going to be with us because, you know what, we're not fighting for Christian principles at this point. Nobody's saying, let's take back this nation for God. People are saying, let's keep it kind of like what it is, but just without the violence. We don't like the consequences of sin, but we don't mind the sin itself. And that's God's not a halfway God. We don't just half-heartedly say, we'll give you some lip service and we're going to continue our evil ways. This would be an abrupt, major turnaround. No more abortion. Sex uh, and, and that... Um, Marriage would be between a man and a woman. None of this other stuff. None of this transvestite stuff. All these, and that's just two examples. There's a lot more things too. Um, but you know, there has to be God in people for people to change. People don't change just by force of the mind. It's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, a uh, repentance, realizing who you are before a holy God as a lost sinner. I'm not seeing anything like that right now. I'm seeing conservatives versus liberals, and I'm seeing those sides form. And you know, I. I would consider you and I on the conservative side of things, which I believe is more the Christian ethics type of uh, position to take. But, you know, you're saying, is it are we too far gone? I don't see us turning to God. So, yeah, at this time, I would say we are. And I think God's judgment is falling on us. Finally, his great love and mercy does have its limits. His holiness does not. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Now, now I want to kind of continue that that thought, but first, there is a question uh, from over on Periscope. I was going to ask you, and this is actually from uh, from my guest that I had on last night. Uh, so, Bob Dunlap is is asking, is a civil war coming? So, I know we're kind of talking, we're kind of hinting at it a little bit, but do you think that we're literally approaching that point of having another civil war? Yeah, and I've been saying this for months. Actually, I've just been watching it progress. Um, COVID has its role in it. It, it allowed you seeing these local people, like mayors and city councils and, in some cases, county executives, flexing their little muscles like we can now, because there's a state of emergency, we can put in these special types of restrictions. And, of course, that, that's not right either. And you have governors doing the same things. Yeah, um, it, it, what was Bob was saying, I think the last article I wrote, Revolution USA, No Lives Matter, I was talking about that, that the enemy, the other side, the BLM, the Antifa, there's the Revolutionary Abolitionist Movement. There's several groups related, and they're all, they've got different names, but they all have the same purpose. And that purpose is revolution. When you look at the Marxist incursion into America, going back 
right after the communists took over in Russia. They started putting money in groups and training people in this country, and it's been ongoing for years and years. Now, we used to have the Christian faith as a bulwark against that, and people would know that. You know, it used to be better, better dead than red, things like that. Well, people have forgotten the danger of communism because it's been so prolifically portrayed as not a bad thing in, edu- in the Christian faith taken out of the schools. We're basically an ignorant, dumbed-down population. We don't know the history of these movements. We don't know how they operate, and here we are today. I mean, we have politicians at the highest level of government. We had Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama who were acolytes of Saul Alinsky. He who himself was an admirer of Vladimir Lenin saying he wasn't a communist, and he wasn't in that sense a communist. But Alinsky was like many others. He just took the basic philosophy, made his own flavor out of it, and made it Alinsky communism. And Alinsky believed not in attacking the system directly revolutionary style such as Bill Ayers was doing in the 60s. He looked at it more as an an absolute grab of power. You infiltrate the system. You work your way into it to make the changes from within. And that has proven to be the most successful part in this country. We had eight years of an, of an Alinsky disciple, Barack Obama, in office. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's continued to work for the Democrat Party. They've taken the party. Yeah, and they've got Republican leadership kind of in the bag too, in, in many instances. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, and I think unfortunately too, you know, and a lot of people that I've that I've spoken with, they're like, and, and I agree with this. The, the church is the final stand. The, like Christianity is the final stand because it's it's the last pillar to me that hasn't been infiltrated except I feel like we've been infiltrated when you look yes. at when you look at the leadership I mean they're they're basically pulling us to the progressive left and they're basically rendering us useless in this fight and that to me is is what's scary so we're 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 fighting this secular governmental battle going on right now but then we're also having to fight this battle within Christianity and within the church and that's a whole different ball game that we got to deal with. And at a certain point, do we even have enough time to really wage that battle and wage that war and actually turn things around? Well, we've been waging that here at Gatekeepers Online. Uh, you've, thanks to you and getting some good people together, we've been trying to make that fight. We did it with social injustice. But the question is, yeah, do we have enough time? Do, do we have enough influence to spread these ideas and get people to wake up to what's going on? That appears to be, right now anyway, without a movement of God, a, a no. But that doesn't mean we don't keep fighting. The real question sometimes I ask myself, is this nation as it stands? Is it worth fighting for? We abort children. We teach kids with drag queen hour at the libraries. There's all manner of mocking of God and the Christian faith. And the obedience God requires a Christian morality. Is a nation like that worth saving? And the answer is, not as it stands. Now, we do have an obligation to defend ourselves, our families, um, our church, you know, our, our friends. But the larger nation, I'm afraid, reading the Bible, when it talks about the end times, is a time of great apostasy and evil. Apostasy in the church and evil in society, those two work hand in hand together. That it's not going to get better from here on out, it's only going to get progressively worse. I'm not being a fatalist here, I'm being a realist. Again, that doesn't mean we don't fight because the real value, and we, we're looking past all this stuff going on, can we save this, can we save that? The only eternal thing in this world are the souls of the people that you and I know and love, and even the ones we don't know. That's what the battle's always been about. Satan's always trying to get us off on this and that and, and everything else. My father passed away four months ago. He's not worried about any of that right now. My dad's in heaven because he was a Christian. And that's ultimately what you and I 
and those listening to this podcast need to focus on is where we're going, and even more important that, witnessing to others, giving them information like what you're doing here so they can rationally look at it. Because if you're ignorant, you're in a bad place. We're trying to give them the information so they can make the right decisions. It's all about souls. Satan knows that. God knows that. And I hope we know that. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think and I think I think it's one of those things too where you know because because I feel like right now I kind of I have my foot both in the political realm and then also the Christian realm you know for me and like a lot of what I'm working on and things like that. But the mm-hmm. way the way that I look at it too is that I think for the longest time you had you had a certain group of Christians that were so focused on the political side of things and they were mm-hmm. forgetting the gospel, and then you had the, you, then you had the other group that were f- so focused on the theology and not focused on the politics that they'd had no say. It's like you kind of got to be involved, especially if you if what we believe is true, which it is. I mean, spoiler alert, it is. But if what mm-hmm. we believe is true, then the morality and the blessings and everything that's found in, in Scripture should play out in normal everyday society if it's actually obeyed and followed and things like that. And so to me, that's a perfect testimony and a perfect opportunity to come in with the gospel in the secular world. And I feel like if we focus on one or the other, we we miss that opportunity. And that kind of goes for Christians on, on both sides of that argument. Yeah, when you were saying, I was thinking about that, that we got focused on trying to, to you know, fight in the political realm, which we should have, but we left the gospel kind of open to these other people coming in and twisting it. So today we have people claiming the gospel, and what they're saying is nowhere near the gospel. They're claiming social justice is the gospel or part of the gospel, and it is antithetical to the gospel. It is against the Bible. It is communist theory presented as in Christian lingo for church consumption. And a lot of people don't know any better. Some people have only been to those sorts of churches all their lives. They they watch the Gospel Coalition. They hear all these big-name pastors, and they go to these conferences, and these guys are selling them a lie. Yeah, and that's that's. I mean, you, we sit here and we talk about it, but you realize when we as we talk and you talk to people, it's like goes right over their head. They don't get it. They don't understand. They've been so. There's Satan has so many levels of lies. People are constantly buffeted with it. Some of them are just drowning them and they don't even know it. Yeah. They don't realize. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so like we've got, you know, again, we, I feel like we always rail on the gospel coalition, which they deserve to be railed on, but that's just, that's just the way, th- the way things are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like to get the good word out. Exactly. 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 <laughs> so, but, but, you know, we, we see, we see the gospel coalition being, uh, you know, I mean, they've been compromised since the beginning. I mean, they were co-founded by Tim Keller. You know, I, I keep referring yeah. to him as the godfather of social justice and cultural Marxism. I mean, it's, it's like, it, it was never a good organization to begin with. You see, in his own words, he talks about it. Yeah, I mean, he he tells you that he had a strong influence of Marxism in his life. Well, you can see in his product that's exactly right. The man's honest there. Absolutely, we we see the same thing with with the SBC in the sense of like they're being completely hijacked and and taken over by leftists and progressives and all that kind of stuff. So th- so then the question is, for for Christians who are like, okay, that's wrong. That's bad, whether it's a pastor or an individual, whatever it is. What, what are we supposed to do? Because I feel like for the longest time, we've been trying to reform from within. We're like, okay, let's, let's fight this battle. Let's try and change. And I feel like things are only getting worse. I mean, at, at, at a certain point, if we want to actually turn things around for the church and Christianity, what, what's the actual answer? And what, what do we actually got to focus on? Um, so that way we don't just keep fighting a losing battle. Is it completely separating and starting over? Is it continuing that battle from within? Like, what what are we supposed to do? I think we definitely separate theologically. We don't uh, associate with those that are preaching this garbage. 
Now, we can have a conversation with them, but this is the, the trap that the evangelicals fell in when they came out of the fundamentalist movement. The fundamentalists were, were separatists. They didn't want to uh, take their faith and, and mix it with the liberal, the modernist. The evangelicals said, well, we can engage them, but in their zeal to engage them and try to get some sort of cooperation between them, they, the evangelicals, were the ones that started surrendering their faith and going more to their side. They were compromising with evil. I'm no compromise with evil. They did compromise with evil. And once you start that process of compromise, you continue to move that way until today. The What is called commonly the, the larger evangelicalism is pretty much just the new liberalism or the new modernism or join forces with it. And, uh, you know, God's word, God's not like you and I. We kind of maybe fudge a little bit here and slide a little bit there. God is entrenched. God is a rock. He doesn't change. And his word doesn't change. And his morals doesn't change. It's not subject to, to opinion or societal fads or what a group of pastors or judges or politicians think. God is God and his word is eternal. And we sometimes forget that. Well, we'll make a little compromise here. Now, there's grace certainly we extend to people. But as far as what we believe, that's that's not up for debate. That's not up for discussion. God tells us what his word is, and that's it. There's no additions or subtractions to it, and especially we need to be careful, no twisted interpretations. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Yeah, and that that's that's vitally important, and that, that's that's really where I feel like the the church has really failed uh, miserably. I think even where it, it's almost like a lot of people have this mentality of, well, that that pastor they're mostly right. They're they're right in a lot yeah. of areas, but they're they're mostly right. And I keep coming back to this idea that. I feel like the more the more dangerous error is the one that's almost right. Like I like the, here's my thing. Joel Olstein and Benny Han, I I always use them as the example cuz to me they're 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 the obvious her- heretics, right? They're the ones where it's like I always say if you get, if you have a bible and a brain, you know that they're off. Like I don't know how else to like explain that cuz like their gospel's wrong, their biblical teaching is wrong, everything's wrong. But to me, the dangerous ones are the guys that are like the J.D. Greers, the Matt Chandlers, the John Pipers, the people like that, where it's like they're good on a lot of areas, but then they have mm-hmm. these subtle changes, and a lot of it's to the gospel, 
redefinitions of words, like things like that. That to me is the dangerous uh, heresy that is infiltrated in the church completely unopposed, it seems like. Well, that's the hard part because Al Mohler and Russell Moore, these guys have studied the Bible. They are theologians. But Satan's the greatest theologian of us all. He doesn't study it for the good it's going to bring him. He studies it to understand how to attack. How do I twist scripture? How can I be knowledgeable of this? I've heard Moeller and these guys and Endeavor and, and uh, a lot of those, all those guys you just mentioned, they will say good stuff. And that's why I get people to understand. Well, he says, yeah, they do say good stuff. They just can't come at you like Anton LaVey in the first church of Satan and just give you, you know, everything rotten. They have to say good stuff. It gets you to lower your guard, makes you think, well, gosh, this guy's saying biblical stuff. He must be one of us. He's on our side. You lower your guard. And then that's just the bait. The hook's in there, too. And the hook's what he's got. He's not trying to feed you with the bait. He wants to hook you, or these guys want to hook you. That's the problem is we tend to accept somebody we think is a friend, everything they say. If somebody's an enemy, we reject everything they say. So these guys, they can give a good I've heard Rick Warren give a good sermon before. And I've heard Rick Warren talk about stuff that you can just absolutely pick it apart biblically. He's a chameleon. He dresses whichever audience he's talking to, and he's a smart guy. These people are smart, and they're slick. Yeah. But, you know, that's why instead of us always trying to fight these battles and always trying to figure it ourselves, we have God. Why aren't we praying about this more? I'm guilty of this, too. We should be seeking God's counsel, not the counsel of men. Spending time in God's word. We should never be too busy. We're fighting the fight. We're fighting the good fight. We've got to be talking to our commander. You know, the children of Israel got in trouble. God would tell them, okay, go to battle and go wipe these guys out, and they would go. Let's go take these guys, and they would go. This is the land I give you. Run out these these barbaric peoples, you know, that are abomination of my sight, doing all these wicked things, sacrificing children of Moloch. Let's move them out of here and get the land. Well, then the Israelites started going, you know, we're we're a pretty good army. We, we can take these guys. They didn't ask God, let's, hey, let's go over and get those guys. God didn't tell them to. They decided they were going to start doing things on their own. They didn't consult God. Then they start getting their butts handed to them in battle. I think we do the same thing as Christians. And we wonder, like, well, why is this happening? Well, the reason it's happening, you had good intentions. But you were bypassing, what does God want? Your reliance was on yourself and the experience you have rather than our reliance should be on God. Yeah, and, and that, that's that's that I think I think is 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 a really big and very important point to make. Um, but but I I think one one of the struggles that I think that I think a lot of people have is that like like you and I like we can spend a lot of time you know studying God's word and I feel like you know we dive into it we're studying it we're trying to learn we're trying to do all that kind of stuff and I feel like for a lot of let's say younger Christians or you know baby Christians new Christians. Uh, they don't necessarily have the same kind of, let's say, theological training that a lot of us associate with like the gatekeepers have, right? So then the question is, and this is kind of going off of a question that somebody asked on Periscope as well, what preachers would you recommend? And and I think, and for me, I, al- I always answer that question hesitantly from my end because I don't want people to rely on a pastor or I don't want them to rely on me. Like So like when I put out a podcast, I want you to take what I say, take it to scripture, compare it with scripture, go from there. Like use it as a springboard for study, not as face value truth, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, somebody's got to learn from somebody, somebody who's studied and researched and all that kind of stuff. So so we, we kind of named some of the people that we don't necessarily recommend. But are there anybody that, that you feel like, okay, these are the guys that if you're like a new Christian or younger Christian or whatever it is – these are some of the people that I would recommend that you listen to. 
Well, one of our fellow writers in social injustice, Dr. Andy Woods, is a solid guy to listen to. Now, before I go on, every person that I know of, all of humanity, are, we're humans, right? So we're not always going to be perfect. And sometimes we get so, fallen so in love with some speaker, some pastor, and if they stumble, then we're kind of crushed. We shouldn't be. Our, our eyes should always be on Christ. Christ is the perfect one. None of us are. We strive for that, but we're all flawed and we make mistakes. And sometimes we make bad choices. That's what we make. It's not all mistakes. It's bad choices we make because that's our human side, the flesh warring with us. But that being said, yeah, Andy Woods is a good guy to listen to. There's a guy I listen to on um, American Family Radio, uh, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I don't know if you've heard him. I've heard the name. Uh, yeah, I, I like listening to him. I come home from work and I listen to him. He's pretty solid. Am I giving whole-scale endorsement to everything these guys say? Well, obviously not. I'm telling you the stuff I've heard is pretty solid biblically. Um, and, and there can be some doctrinal differences we might have with them. That doesn't mean that they're wrong. What the Bible says is right. There are some minor interpretation differences. Um, and, and, you know, again, we give grace to one another. But when you have these outright heretics teaching some of the things that they teach, social justice related, which is basically the umbrella term for all things evil now because it's it's the car that's moving. And everybody's piling everything into that car to run it down our throats. But I was saying about reading our Bible and praying, here's the thing about it, though, and this is, I think, the point that you were getting to. Well, once you're done with your Bible reading and prayer, it's time to get off your knees and get into action. We don't sit here and say, well, God, do this for me, do this for me. God's going, well, that's kind of what I've left you responsible for. You may have to step out in faith and do some uncomfortable things or, or maybe put yourself at risk. Life's not supposed to be comfortable. But you do these things in faith, willing to take the consequences for doing the right thing. And I think now more than ever, it's time to get off the fence and realize what's coming down the pike and is even here right now. You can pray and read your Bible, have that right mind and heart, but there is a time of action, and it's coming closer and closer for many people. Yeah. Now, now, what, what do you what do you think? What do you think needs to be some some of the the refocused attention that Christians and the church as a whole really need to focus on and be active in? Because um, I feel like oftentimes we can get so splintered off into everybody's doing their own little thing, and that we don't ever really accomplish anything, or we focus so much on one thing that everything else, you know, gets pushed to the side. But what what do you feel like are some of the things if we're if we're actually going to have number one an opportunity to, to hopefully turn things around, wh- whether it it actually will or not. But number two, actually be able to uh, get the gospel out there more. What do you what do you think are going to be some of the some of the key things that Christians in general need to be focusing on? Well, if that's what we truly want to do, we're going to be able to do it a lot more freely under a second Trump administration than we would be under a Kamala Harris administration. So we need to take a lesson from the organized left. What they're doing right now and what they continue to try to do is get people registered to vote. That's something I don't really hear us talking about as much. But if we have some Christian or conservative family or friends or people influence that are not registered to vote, Christians need to take part in this election. They do need to get out and vote. That's what's imminent. That's what's upcoming here shortly. So in, in a little over two months, we have an election. So we need to kind of be looking at that because I guarantee you the left is, and they're gearing everything towards that. So that's what we're doing. And we also, and, and maybe it's a good thing with COVID, and like stop watching sports right now. Take that time that you were wasting watching these spoiled, whining, America-hating athletes and do something constructive with it. Read Social Injustice. 
Find out where this movement's coming from. Do something constructive with your time. Life is not all about entertainment and self-gratification. It has been up to this point for many of us. But now's the time with where we're moving into these uncharted territory, at least in our lifetimes. We need to start finding out and figuring out what's going on, understand the root cause of these things and where it ultimately is leading to. And then we know who the enemy is. Sun Tzu said, know the enemy, you win 50% of the time. Know yourself, you win 50% of the time. But when you know both, you win 100% of the time. That's in the Art of War. The, the famous Chinese uh, general wrote that book many, many uh, years ago. But that's the sorts of things we need to start doing, is start making our faith a priority in conversation, talking to our families. Um, and, and, you know, right now it's not a bad idea to be conversing with people about... Um, what ifs and what if this situation? People you can trust, family members, church, people, those that, you know, that sort of thing. But we need each other just as you're having a conversation. Um, it's nice to know there are other people out there like you, that you're not isolated, that you're not alone, that you do have friends and allies. You have brothers and sisters in the Christ. And uh, we're all in this together. So that's kind of a starting point. First of all, yeah, turn your TV off and do something constructive with your time. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, like for me, like I, I used to watch, I used to watch the NBA all the time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Warriors fan, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I have zero interest anymore. Like, like no interest. I haven't turned on any of the games since the season returned. It's like, like no interest at all. Uh, but, but like the other, the other side of it too, like what you're talking about is for me, like even, even just doing, even just doing this podcast and then my other one that's, that's over on the other network, it's been, it's been really encouraging to talk to people that I agree with from like all over the country in different places. And I think that especially with how, like, at least out here, out here in California, we're still on lockdown. We're still in shelter in place orders. It's like, it's nice to be able to know other people agree with me. It, it, it's like, yeah. it's like a community kind of a thing. And, and that, that's been, that's been really cool. Um, but you know, I, I'm also glad that you brought up the issue of registering to vote. Um, because I, because I think that that's, that's going to be vitally important as, as we're moving along. Um, and again, like you're saying, the left has been, you know, that, that's their main strategy is just get more people to vote, whether you're dead or alive or here, an American <laughs> citizen or not or whatever it is. It, several times, vote early, vote often, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's a reason why they keep saying vote early, vote early, vote, vote now. Um, but I, I think that, you know, like there was, uh, I think MacArthur put out a, a controversial, uh, a controversial statement, I think it was today or yesterday, where I guess he had a conversation with President Trump. And during that conversation, he had said that, um, at least according to the headlines that I saw, that um, any true believer will vote for Trump in this election. What's mm-hmm. your What's your thought process on that? Or, or, or a true a Christian can't vote for a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with John MacArthur. I've, I've actually said this myself, and before people start pulling their hair out, um, look at the Democratic Party platform, the things the party stands for. There's nothing biblical in that. When you say aborting babies and the whole LGBTQ plus agenda, that's all on the table. When you're talking about um, everything anti-God that's in that platform, there, there's nothing Christian in it at all. As I like to say, Republican may not always be the right choice, but a Democrat never is. Why would a person that's a Christian be a part or run on that platform, run with that party? They wouldn't. I mean, and, and that's a hard, well, that's controversial to say. It's not controversial, it's truth. It's, it's sad that we live in a day where controversy equates to truth. Whatever's truth is controversial. And that's what the left always says, well, there's controversy. There's no controversy. You either accept the truth or you reject the truth. 
There's no debate on what the truth is. Again, I believe in moral absolutes. God establishes that. He's the only one that can, not me. It's nothing I've made up. Anything I've talked about as far as morality, I had nothing to do with it. God did. But I'm going to go ahead and be wise enough to say, yeah, I think God's probably in a position to be right every time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not going to argue with God. Oh yeah, that's that's very that's very true. I, you know, and and I, and I think too, it's like it, it when when we're getting, I feel like historically, uh, the the last few election cycles, not this last one, but the but the ones before when it was like Obama versus Mitt Romney or versus McCain or things like that, there wasn't that much of a difference. Uh, no. Like 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 I I remember when they were debating, uh, and actually, what was it? Uh, who was it? It was Obama versus one of them. And they were actually debating at Saddleback Church with Rick, when Rick Warren was like the moderator. It was, it was a very strange debate, but I found, yeah. I found them in more agreement than disagreement. And back yeah. then you're almost like, there's not really much of a difference if I vote Obama or McCain. But I feel like now is such a polarized difference. It's so drastic. It it's so obvious. And this is where I feel like today, maybe not 30 years ago, but today, I don't see how a Christian who believes in God's word could vote for the Democrats and not be sinning. Is is that too extreme of a statement? No, that's that's spot on assessment. Well, you have Mark Dever coming out with Jonathan Lehman, Lehman being the um, London School of Economics baby and socialist school. He's got this guy on board with him. These two are having a conversation talking about well, we can't really be a one-issue voter. And they were talking specifically about abortion because they realize, and they're, they're liberals and they're Democrat supporters, that if you base your vote on abortion, you're not going to ever vote Democrat. So they're saying, well, you, you can't be a one-issue voter. But here's what came to me. The thought was, well, that one issue is pretty indicative of what they're going to be on the other issues too. It doesn't have to be one-issue voting. If, if you're on the Democratic side, you're also going to be for the LGBTQ. You're also for the, the garbage they teach your kids in school, the atheism, the Muslim coddling, the all religions are the same, the gun control, which you have a God-given right to self-defense, which people are waking up to now. There's a lot of first-time gun buyers right now. They're scared because they realize either the police can't or won't get there. Um, and they're, I mean, this is the reality has always been. You're responsible for your own safety and your family's safety. When seconds count, police officers are only minutes away. But this has always been the case. And now violence is becoming so random. I saw a guy get bricked. They call it bricked. Guy runs up high and bashes him. And he's just walking down the street. Just crazy stuff. They're attacking cops in Chicago like mobs attacking three cops, knocking them to the ground and dragging them around and kicking them and stuff. Um, yeah, you better have in the back of your mind, you need to have the mindset and the ability to defend yourself if the need arises. Because nobody's going to be there to do it for you. But... Yeah, getting back to that, yeah, that was an extreme point you made. And, and there may be people that are taken aback when they hear us say this. But when you're looking at what the parties stand for and what they believe, what the parties, what the Democrat Party stands for, take a look at Portland. Take a look at Minneapolis. That's Those are Democrat areas. That's what they stand for. They stand for anarchy and lawlessness. Anything to take this president down. You know, and I'm I've not been like a gigantic Donald Trump supporter. I like a lot of what he's done, but he's still just a man. There's things he's done I don't like, but by and large, he's a much better option than what we would get with the other guy. Yeah. Now, now, which which I think kind of leads leads to this interesting question that I think a lot of Christians are are wrestling with, which is voting for the lesser of two evils. 
And, you know, and I feel like that's been, that's been one of the biggest arguments that I've heard from conservative Christians against voting for President Trump, you know, even, even this time around after we've actually seen this is how, this is how he legislates, you know, cause I think earlier I get it because he used to be a Democrat. You know, he, he could, he could have switched as soon as he got in, but I feel like he's, for the most part, he's been pretty conservative. Honestly, for me, I'm looking at it and I'm like, He's deferred to the states more time than any president I can ever think of. That's that's a huge <laughs> positive. Uh, but for that argument, voting for the lesser of two evils and as a justification for not voting for, let's say, like a President Trump, do you feel like that? Do you feel like that argument holds water, or do you feel like that's essentially giving the power to the Democrats? I think when you think like that, that's exactly a point that would come up, and that argument would be given to conservatives and Christians. That, you know, that's voting for lesser two evils. Anything to get you and I not to vote or to vote third party or something like that is what they want. So it's it's a brilliant strategy. But let me tell everybody a secret that haven't figured this out yet. I ran for office one time, and you know what? The people there was a vast difference between myself and the guy I was running against. But you know what? You were in, if you were voting that race, you know what you were doing. You were voting for the lesser of two evils because I'm not perfect either. You're always voting for the lesser of two evils, okay? Because by nature, we are evil. You know, the human heart is is wicked, and, and who can know it? Deceitful above all things, the Bible tells us. So not saying, you know, that you know there, there's definitely differences between some of these really wicked people and, and the people that are trying to do the right thing and Christians, but... The lesser of two evils, we never have the perfect choice. I mean, we had the perfect choice 2,000 years ago, and he lost an election to Barabbas, right? <laughs> the people chose Barabbas to be reprieved, and Jesus sent the cross, which to, to our salvation, we're glad he did, had to suffer for us. But the point of the matter is, we look at people, their presidents, maybe not even on their, their personalities, which is that what they try to make it, because Trump can be abrasive, I get it. I, I do like listening to what he says, because he's honest. But we look at the policies. He's the president that actually took the American embassy out of Tel Aviv and put it in Jerusalem, just like every president said before that. He's the one that's cut off funding to places that hate us. He's the one that has actually stood up to Iran. Okay, so so this is a guy that's done a lot of good things. He's the one that had the economy bubbling along when, or at least his ideas, when Obama said that was impossible. You couldn't get above 2% GDP, and he had us up to like 4% before COVID came in. And now we're roaring back. So there's a lot of things the guy's done. He is against abortion, at least in, in word. He's not absolutely trying to ram it down people's throats like what the Democrats would. He has tried to protect our, our Second Amendment rights, freedom of religion as far as standing up for churches. He has a Justice Department that sides with us. You think you're going to get that from the Democrats? Any of those things? Absolutely not. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. 
So it's a clear choice, really. If you want to see, like, Obama and those policies and what's going on in the world today, if you want to see that ram down our throat, they've already said they would come for our guns. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Disarm us, let the mobs take over, defund the police. That That's a recipe for good times, all right. Yeah, that's that's idiotic. Yeah. Now, now, do you feel like okay? If do you feel like if if Trump gets reelected, and I know we're getting a little bit into you know prophecy and you know predicting the future, which you know none of us can really do. Uh, but do you th- do you think that if Trump gets reelected, that we have we have a shot at turning things around for for America and beginning and beginning to head back in the right direction, or do you feel like it's just like a delay for the inevitable? Um, I, the first time around was a delay for the inevitable. The, the four years we've had since 2016 is a delay for the inevitable. I think that no matter who wins in November, if we have that election, we probably will. But if we have that election, whether Trump wins or whether Biden-Harris wins, I think the civil war we're talking about comes. I think if, if Trump would win, the left would become, you know, you think they're crazy right now, they go all out crazy. And if, if Biden wins... They're going to force the issue by draconian type laws and going after people like you and I, people that have been telling the truth. They don't like us talking about what we're talking about. Now, the the wild card that's sometimes not talked about is our enemies have been part of this process for years and years. They've been giving direction, as I was talking about earlier. They've been putting money into it. They've been changing people's minds, changing the culture. You don't think that in a very vulnerable time when we're divided and fighting amongst ourselves and distracted, and, and our military under Obama was taken down pretty drastically as far as new weapon systems, neglecting current systems, not doing the research and moving forward, information headed out to these guys so they could actually improve their weapons. You think that maybe the, the plethora of enemies we have aren't kind of licking their chops, waiting for that moment to attack. This is what some of the people like Stanislav Lunev, the, the defector from Russia, wrote in the Perestroika Deception. There are several people that have given the same sorts of ideas and strategies that the civil war that is upon us right now probably wouldn't just remain against domestic factions. Our enemies would jump in. Who know the, the Kigali Accord that Obama signed, giving the UN the ability to come here and restore order, um, doesn't hold anything constitutionally, but there they are. Again, there's justification for some people to say, well, they're here to do good. Uh, this could really get messy and nasty. And I'm looking at worst-case scenario, of course, but that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to prepare for the worst, or at least speculate on what a worst-case scenario would be. And we hope it doesn't go there, but there's nothing um, nothing we can really rely on today. This is I never thought I'd see a, a city being burned down and police stand there being told to stand down and let it happen Yeah, in, in America. And yet we've seen it multiple yeah. times. Yeah, it's 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 literally crazy, and uh, you know, and and I think and I think as Christians too, on one hand we're looking at it and we're like, okay, we're hopeful because hey, we could be closer to the return of Christ. Um, at, at the at the other side of it, you know, too, like a lot of times, you know, I often say, you know, like looking at world history, a lot of times we saw, uh, you know. Satan would try to conquer the entire world with a certain like empire, right? We saw that with the Babylonian Empire. He he got close. God's like, yeah, it's not time yet. We're gonna pull it back. Tried it with, you know, pretty much every single empire. Tried it with Germany. They got close. Yeah, God's like, not time yet. And so, so, so I'm looking at like today, and I, and to me, I like, I, I saw the 2016 election and then Brexit happen. And I was like, okay, this might be God saying to the globalists, okay, your strategy, it's working, but 
it's it's not time yet. So then the question is, was that a delay of a few years or is that basically God telling Satan, okay, back off, time to regroup and that sort of thing. And right now is kind of that that uh, fighting time of them just trying to hold on. Um, I don't know. It's it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, especially in light of eschatology. Well, I like what you said, globalist, because when we look at the two parties in this country, it's much bigger than that. And the president's not the most powerful man on earth. The president also is under authority to these globalist interests. I mean, even it doesn't matter. These guys, the guys that run the banking systems and, and control world politics, that's the real power there. This other stuff sometimes is for political show to keep us occupied and distracted, let you and I think that we're part of this process. They pretty much run things the way they're going to. I think Trump was a wild card. Maybe even they weren't expecting because God interceded because people were praying. That, that was him giving us another chance because that's who God is and what he does. But that doesn't last forever. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's it's it's the next few months are going to be pretty interesting. I I said this before, um, like if I could I'd like to see a newspaper, say, around December 21st to see what the headlines would be, because then we would know who won the election, what all the fallout is after that, um, you know. But something even like an EMP attack or a cyber attack that shuts the grid down. For an extended period of time, um, you won't know what's going on or why. You just know that you don't got any power, and there's a lot of crazy people out there trying to survive. You know, and, and it just gets down to basic stuff like that. But you know, the thing about it is, for you and I, and, and every Christian is, we don't want to get scared about what's going on. You can have concerns. Don't get scared about it, because we're not. Unless the Lord comes back, we're not getting out of this life alive anyway. And as long as we um, do what we're going to do. Then, then we can stand before God saying, I, I, you know, and he knows that we were striving for you, Lord. I, the plans you had for my life, I was trying to fulfill for you. You know, in a thousand years from now, who cares, right? I mean, the only thing we care about, again, is the souls that will be leaving the earth with us. And unfortunately, those that won't be going with us are going one other place. And there's only two places to go. So we strive in this life knowing that our retirement plans are already taken care of eternally. So we boldly strive in this life and stand for what's right. There are consequences. There were consequences in the Bible. All the disciples, save one, John, were martyred for their faith. And, uh, you know, do, do we expect an easy, quiet life and everything's going to be donuts and ice cream for us? Well, if it is, we're probably not doing what we should be doing. Jesus said that they would persecute us like they did the prophets before. You know, if we're getting flack from the world, we're, we're doing the right thing because the world is not... Godlike, not Christian. So yeah. we should rejoice and be glad. For great is our reward in heaven, Jesus said. A- absolutely, and and I th- and I think too, it's like you know wh- whatever whatever happens, and you know my, my thing is I'm looking I'm looking at this election, and I'm I'm seeing uh, more than likely I feel like unless there's some sort of craziness that happens, which again who knows it could happen. Yeah, exactly. But. but uh, I, I think as of right now, I think, I think it's a pretty, pretty good guess that, that Trump will get reelected, right? And, and, and so for, for me, I'm looking at that. I'm like, okay, so then we at least have four more years. And I've actually been making the case and, you know, we don't necessarily have to get into it, but I've actually been making the case that I think that with the selection of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, that the Democrats are actually thrown in the towel. They want Trump reelected. Because uh, they're pointing towards 2024, and that's going to create a lot of the chaos and insanity that'll happen. But it'll allow them to, uh, you know, paint the, paint conservatives as evil, raise funds, really try to get their perfect candidate in 2024. But I think that uh, a Trump re-election will give Christians a great opportunity 
to have another four years of faithfully preaching the gospel. The question is, are we actually going to do it? Because the thing is that we're seeing the effects of sin right before people's eyes. We've got the answer. It's the gospel. But for whatever reason, the Christians are getting distracted with all these political things, not saying we don't engage in them. We do. But at the same time, we can't forget the gospel. And it's like it, we we got to make sure that we take advantage of this next four years with Trump as president. We've got we've got an opportunity to proclaim the gospel, the gospel faithfully. And the more people that become Christians, the more moral our society becomes. That's just a byproduct of that. Well, you know, I, just traveling on this area, looking at yard signs, and this is Iowa, you know, so kind of maybe a bellwether state to some extent. And this is a democratic area I live in. I've seen a whole lot of Trump signs. I've seen, I think, two for Biden. I was even traveling to Colorado. I didn't see anything out there for Biden. I saw Trump stuff along the highways, and he's he's popular still. He's he's as popular, maybe more so. When Trump goes out and speaks someplace, the throngs show up. Biden shows if they could get him out there, they won't let him out there because a man can't put two sentences together and make sense. He's not coherent. But if they did, nobody shows up. Just like Hillary back in 2016, he, she wasn't drawing what Trump was doing. So, yeah, I, I think all things being equal, without massive voter fraud, Trump wins. But the Democrats learned a lesson in 2016. Even with voter fraud, it wasn't on sufficient scale to change the election. Don't think they didn't learn something from that. That's why they're pushing so hard for mail-in balloting. And especially in these battleground states, they will, and, they, and they've had their operatives openly admit this on Project Veritas that this is kind of their bread and butter is, is voter fraud. Like you, you kind of joked about it a while ago, the living and the dead voting. It, we laugh at it, but we laugh because we know it's true. It's not just a joke. Um, so, barring major voter fraud, I would agree with you. Trump should win again. The question is. What would the makeup of Congress be? The best thing we can do is, is get Nancy Pelosi out of that speaker seat and get somebody in there that would actually try to do some legislation rather than just open, brazen political attacks on the other side. And I'd also like to see some actual investigations pushed forward in what the last administration did. And Hillary Clinton, I mean, she still, Trump said Hillary for prison 2016. Here it is 2020. Where are the charges for her, you know? And, and of course, that goes back to, She's connected to a lot of things, and there's Republicans, too, that would go down if, if everybody knew what was going on. That's what I'm suspecting. But uh, be that as it may, yeah, I, I think that um, the problem with Christians, too, is we got Trump in in 2016, right? And then Christians went, I can relax now for the next three years. Now they fire back up again to get on the political trail and try to get Trump reelected. But what about those years in between? I mean, you, you've got some Christians that will spend all kinds of time, money, and effort on a political campaign, and God bless them if they're supporting the right candidates, but they're doing, they won't even witness to their neighbor. You know, they, and that's where we fail. We're, we're, we're going after the worldly tactics, politically speaking, and as we were talking about earlier, neglecting the spiritual side of things, and that's where the true gold's at right there. If yeah. you change parts and get Christians, not only are they going to heaven, now they're good citizens, and hopefully they're doing the same thing. We replicate our efforts, replicate our efforts. We've become a more moral society, not because of laws, but because of people's hearts being changed. Yep. No. A- absolutely. And you know, and I, I wanted to cl- wanted to close with this. Um, the world obviously is crazy. Twenty twenty. I never thought we'd see all all of this happen in in one year. <laughs> like oh, yeah. it's 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 insane, right? But as, yeah. but, but as Christians, 
what what advice do you give to people to uh, that maybe you know they're isolated, they're by themselves, you know, like uh, you know maybe maybe your church still isn't gathering, maybe you aren't able to gather together with your you know fellow believers or things like that. How do how do number one we stay focused on the right things? We we stay positive, we stay joyful, you know, like like the thing is is that we sh- because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We should still be able to be a shining light to the world. We should show that we're not we're not fearful. We're not we're not afraid. How do you recommend that to, that to people that are maybe watching this and they're like, I feel alone. I feel discouraged. Life is crazy. What's your recommendation to them moving forward? Well, if, if you can find people that are like minded, especially Christians, somebody maybe that's that's a solid Christian that can kind of help mentor you. Um, you guys are. Not, I mean, Pastor Sam. Pastor Sam's got church going out here. We got church going every Sunday. We even when they had like restrictions on church, we kept going to church. You know, we had church open, that sort of thing. But we do have um, places you can go. You have gatekeepers online. So you have a variety of people on there that are giving perspective. We and, and the Shining Light podcast is one of those things that Pastor and Sam and I do, and we're on the gatekeepers online. So we have these tools that you can use to hear people, to be encouraged, to hear the truth as best we can tell it. So you have that. Again, reading your Bible every day, I, I can't emphasize that a month. To start your day off in the morning, I, I'll read a chapter. I mean, if I'm really going good, maybe I'll read two chapters. But then I'll, I'm not speed reading. I'm reading it for what it says, and I'm thinking about it. And it sets a tone for my day and pray about it. Um, that's encouraging. But also, yeah, those folks that kind of feel alone and isolated, if they're watching this podcast, they know that they're not the only ones that believe this way. Obviously, you and I do, and there's a bunch more. And that's what the media tries to do is make you feel isolated. If you know your neighbors, maybe you look over there and they got a Trump sign in the yard. Well, you got something in common. Maybe find out if you don't know them. Maybe strike up a conversation. You have that common ground. Find out a little bit more about them. Make some friends like that. Nobody can be an island today. Everybody needs somebody. Um, if you got family living close by, lean on people. That's what we're here for. That's what you and I are here for. That's what we do for each other as brothers. We support one another because... We know the world's trying to beat us down. We're not going to let them do that, are we? No, not not at all. And and that's that's the thing about all this is again, even with this isolation, that's that that is a result of sin. Like like literally, it's it's separating us. And the thing is that we have to remember, like we're 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 meant to be in community. We're meant to be working together, be a part of a family, be, be have close friends that we can rely on, and accountability and encouragement and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like even though even though it's more difficult, we have to be more intentional about it too. Um, and I think that that's that's really important. One thing that I, that I will say too about like a lot of the stuff that that we're trying to do here with like the gatekeepers is like. You guys can listen to the Shining Light podcast. You know, you, you guys are coming out with stuff pretty pretty much every week. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the one of the one of the other cool things that we've started doing here is we're posting the uh, sermons from some of the pastors that are uh, a part of the gatekeepers. So we've got Pastor Sam, uh, Doctor Mike Spaulding, Bob Picard, and we're we're posting their sermons on our website. So that way, if you guys need something to help springboard your study. You could do that. So we post one every every single day. That's another opportunity. So again, not trying to sit, not just trying to be promoting, but it's just saying there's resources out there for you if you feel mm-hmm. like I need something, I need something that I can trust, and all that kind of stuff. So that is a good a good resource. Now I did want to get to you. You've been working on this book, and I did see the cover recently. Mm-hmm. Tell tell people about your book that you've got coming out. 
So the book, The Darkened Pulpits, the, and then a semicolon, The History and Hirelings of Social Justice, goes through this entire movement. We've been talking about it. What we're seeing today is the end result of this movement that started basically with the Enlightenment and has moved forward through the ideas of Karl Marx predominantly, but others and, and fed into it. you got Friedrich Nietzsche and some of these guys moving. And, of course, it emphasized after it moves from America or from Europe to America how it went about in this nation, not only infiltrating the culture, but specifically I'm looking at how it's got into the churches and some of the names it's got into and the ideas and where they come from. It's 26 chapters. It is done now, Jeff. I'm just editing it now. I'm just polishing it up. And after I get done with this tonight, I will go downstairs. I went through two chapters last night. And um, hopefully with Labor Day coming up and I have the day off, I can spend hours on it. And I can probably get it pretty close to completion. So that's been my um, really my focus right now. I'm that close to the finish line. So I'm really bearing down it. Last couple of weeks with my dad's memorial and and had my mom out. Was really glad to have her here. Um, so I, I took care of the family stuff that I should have. But now it's time to get back to that sort of thing. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish that up. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You know. And I. I know. I can't wait to read it. And I, and I know that. You know. We'll, we'll try to make a way to where we can make sure that. Uh. You know. People that are associated with the gatekeepers and you know follow us and all that kind of stuff. We'll figure out how to how to make sure that we let you guys know as soon as as soon as the book does come out where to get it and all that kind of stuff. So. Because uh, I know uh, I've talked I've talked to Sam and he's 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 read some of it and he's like this this is this is in depth this this is what will uh you know really expose what's what's actually going on so I can't wait to read it. Well, it's it's year it's literally years of research and uh, pouring through books. You got you know online you can do stuff, but there's books sometimes and there's some of the books that I'll be citing that are not even in print anymore and you might have a hard time finding them. But nonetheless, these are words written. There's warnings from the past. There's the and I like giving the words of the people, so you know exactly what's going on in their mind. There's a lot of stuff be, because let's face it, society is so distracting. We don't get a chance to do all this stuff. I mean, most people don't read like I do and and go after stuff like that. They got other things on their life. Fortunately, I don't have a life, so this is why no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is what I do, and this is what I enjoy, and, and and the Lord has made it where that's what I like to do. So it's really fit into this. This is my life's work to this point. And um, so I, I'm, I'm wanting to get it out there, and it's not about me at all. I just want you to know what's gone on. As you were saying, if you're being fooled, you're not going to know it. But but I'm going to try to present it in such a way, and I'm going to lead you to the stuff, and then you make your determination. The unfortunate thing for some people is I'm going to go after some of their heroes, not not intentionally because I'm vindictive, but it is part of the history. And one guy in particular was Billy Graham, who I've got a great admiration for, but. Uh, that's kind of a veneer too that uh, Billy made some some poor choices in his life, um, and, and I love listening to his um, crusades. I still do. I still love listening to him. But again, it points to the fact that uh, if even the people we consider great can be fooled, we really need to be on our guard because none of us are above falling. Solomon is the wisest man in the world, and he also fell. So, um, yeah. you know. So it's pretty humbling to realize that, you know, you spout here like you know everything. I don't. But what I do know, I've, I've spent a lot of time to know. The things I do know, I know pretty well. Not infallible, but to the best of my ability with God blessing it. And God's definitely been in this book. He's definitely been in this book. So um, I think it'll be worth people's time if they read it, especially if you want to know about what's going on, why and where it comes from, and what you're seeing in your churches. A lot of people today are, are seeing it in their churches, and maybe they don't even realize it. But it makes me. You were talking about what's going on in California. You, you saw the original Red Dawn, right? Uh, yes, yes. And, and Ben Johnson character goes, 
Well, that's over in free America. See, I'm in free America right now. You're 40 miles behind enemy lines. You know, you're you're not in free America, my friend. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I can't even get a haircut. <laughs> yeah, it, that's bad when you can't get a haircut. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is when we were locked down, my wife started cutting my hair. I actually like her cutting my hair. I saved money with her cutting my hair. She's still going to be cutting my hair. So, but I can go. I mean, it's I have the freedom if I so choose to go back to my barber. Yeah, I, so, I, I the, see. See the the problem for me getting a haircut is that I'm so white, I sunburn in the sun, and you're only allowed to get haircuts outside. It's not oh a good boy. combination. I think they they've got this uh, conspiracy to kill you. I think they're going to try to do it by skin cancer. They obviously exactly. <laughs> Maybe you just need to get out of California for a while. Go get a haircut somewhere. That, that, that's what everybody keeps telling me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, Pat, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. There, there you go. So, but yeah, Pat, Pat, I really appreciate you coming on. I feel like, you know, for me, like every time you come on, I'm always learning something new. It's, it's always, it's always a blast to talk to you. So we'll, we'll definitely have you back on again sometime. It's always fun picking your brain. I love it, Jeff. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you and an honor to be on your show. Yeah, definitely. And then for everybody else as well, as well make sure you guys, uh, you guys can go to your website, the shining light ministries. Is it dot com or dot org? Dot com? Dot com. Dot com. The, and you have to put the shining light because if you put shining light ministries, it goes somewhere else. It has to be the shining light ministries. Okay, so com. make sure you start out the, so the shining light ministries dot com. You got that way you guys can get their writings, uh, podcast that's both Patrick and Pastor Sam Jones, who both of them I highly recommend. Uh, you know, check that, check that out as well. Um, and then uh, if you guys want more information on everything we're doing here, you guys can go to gatekeepersonline.com. Again, the book that we keep uh, talking about is Social Injustice. If you go to gatekeepersonline.com slash store, you guys can actually get that. Uh, he's probably going to have a, a pull that out right there. Can you see that? That's that's the deal right there. Yes. That's the book. Yeah, let me bring it up higher. Yeah, can you see that? Yep. Uh, there we go. So, so yeah. Social justice. So, so if you guys actually go there, go to gatekeepersonline.com slash store. If you guys use the code Patrick at checkout, you guys will get 10% off. So uh, definitely uh, check that out. It's a great resource. Bunch of great authors uh, contributing to that, including uh, Patrick, myself, Pastor Sam, uh, but as well Dr. Andy Woods, who Patrick t- was talking about earlier, uh, Brandon Howes, Tom Littleton, Ken, P- just a bunch of great uh, contributing authors really oh, yeah. diving into what we're talking about. Yeah, it's a great thing. And you know what we were doing at our church, Sunday school, we just finished up going over the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. We just started this last Sunday school started the Bill of Rights, preamble of the Bill of Rights, got through Article 5, we'll finish up next week. So that's kind of the things we're doing, too, from a godly perspective, showing where the country comes from, you know, where yeah. we were, who we were, and what it all means. You need to understand what it means. Absolutely. You know, and that's something you don't hear too many churches doing that. So, but I, you know, it's it's great to do. It's great to do. So, but yeah, Patrick, again, really appreciate it. Uh, everybody else as well, if you guys can uh, go over to Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe, leave us a five star review if you can. It really helps to help us get found there in Apple Podcast. It's just the way that the Apple, uh, you know, algorithms work. Uh, it's highly based on reviews. So if you guys can do that for us, it really helps out. And then, uh, yeah, we will see you guys next time.
Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC.